healinggodspeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We have podcasts over 25 different sites, Sealing God's People, both Android and iPhone. We have our own app. Uh, please subscribe to it. We have several questions uh, from various ministers really over the world, and uh, these are uh, that you have written to me, saying Revelation 1, verse 1, uh, is Jesus the Father of glory? Uh, John 4, 22 and 23, uh, speaking about my Father. Uh, John 10, 29, my Father's greater than I. John 16, 27, 28, uh, there came out from God. And uh, Luke 23, verse 34, verse 46, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. Uh, Mark 14, uh, Jesus is so exceedingly uh heavy into death, uh, sorrowful into death, and of course, uh, where one is always asked is, who is the us and our in Genesis 126? So, as we take a look at the scripture, we'll begin at Genesis 126, and we're told this proves that there is a trinity, and uh, we're going to speak, not according to uh, man's wisdom. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof, the ways of death. And uh, we can't lean to our own understanding. We think that there's a father, there's a son, and there's two different people, two different persons. But we're going to find in the Word of God that that man is God. And we're going to see how God worked salvation in and of himself alone. And Isaiah 63, 5, he had to have a man. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to me, God said. So these are some of the things that there's a mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, which we will discuss today. Uh, We're going to Genesis 1.26 now, and if you'll read along with me, here we go. Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image, plural personal pronouns, us and our, after our likeness, plural personal pronoun, and let them have dominion over the fish over the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Plural, plural personal pronouns, definitely. Us and our. Let us make man in, in our image after our likeness. Uh, definitely plurality in these personal pronouns. Now we go to Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. Singular personal pronoun. In the image of God created he, him. Male and female created he, them. He, his. Singular personal pronoun. So there's a revelation there. And we have to look at uh, the scriptures and let the Holy Ghost lead us into the truth, which is a mystery. A mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. Which in him, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not in them, in him. So therefore, we need to find out who the S's are. <laughs> Let's take a look at Proverbs 8, and I think you'll see that we're speaking singular personal pronouns again, but of the attributes of God. What makes up God? In the us's. God is not just one attribute. He is one person with many attributes, multiple attributes, multiple majesty, Uh, These are the attributes of God that make up his essence and his being. 
what are they? Well, they're not plurality of spirits. There's only one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and in us all, Ephesians 4. And we have the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, which we find in Mark 12, 29, is the first and greatest dominant commandment of all. When the scribe asked Jesus, what is the first commandment of all? What is the dominant commandment? And Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4. It's called the Shema. And at the time of the, uh, they went to bed from the time they got up uh, on the mezuzah, uh, everything they did, it was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's frontlets between your eyes. Uh, and before uh, the morning sacrifice, the evening sacrifice, all they heard daily, on every hour was here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, there's many tried to say that, well, that one Lord is an ekod and it's not a yakid. Yakid being a Hebrew for a sole, unique, solitary one. And ekod is a plurality. No, it's not a plurality. It simply means one. One is one. And compound unity. No, one is one. It's very simple. One, Alaf, or Ekad, or Yaqid, is one. It's very simple. One is one. <laughs> if you, somebody said, well, it's a, it's a compound unity, one nation. Well, one nation, many people. No. Uh, one nation would be only one nation. Not two nations. <laughs> only, only one nation. I'm trying not to be facetious here, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. One means one. It's just that simple. It's, uh, we don't have to uh, get in there and start slicing up the one to try to prove there's three. There's only one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's the Holy One of Israel. There is no Holy Trinity. Never has been, never will be. But let's take a look at that. Well, then why us? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's definitely plural personal pronouns. Then who's the us's? Well, <laughs> The us is uh, uh, there. We're going to see uh, various attributes. They are the various attributes of God. Now, let's take a look at Proverbs 8. We're going to see that God, without any, any uh, uh, difference of opinion, or uh, no one uh, would dare say that God is not wisdom. Uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And that... Uh, that with all you're getting, get wisdom. Well, notice that wisdom in Proverbs 8 is standing as a person, a singular personal pronoun. And well, let's read about wisdom now. God is not just wisdom. He is all-powerful. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's the invisible spirit of God in all power, all knowledge, and everywhere. But one of his attributes is wisdom. Well, that's not the entirety of the essence of God. He's love. God is love. God is jealous. Uh, his name is jealous. Uh, God is wisdom. God is understanding. God is power. All of these things in the Word of God defines his attributes. He is 
righteous. He's holy. Jehovah Tendiskunu. Uh, he is the Lord that healed you. Jehovah Rofika. Uh, all of the, he's, he is peace. Uh, peace is another attribute of God. My peace I give you. Now is the world gift. Give I unto you. Well, that's not his only attribute. Peace is one of the attributes of God. And that's Jehovah Shalom. Everybody knows Shalom, brother. Well, yes, he is peace. Now, let's take a look at Proverbs 8, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And it's plural, uh, a singular personal pronoun, and God using let us make man in our own image after our likeness means that he's going to take many of his attributes. And these attributes are coming forward uh, for a man to be in the likeness of God, in the image of God. And as we see, when he said, let us make man in our image, if God is love. If love hadn't stepped forward, man would not be able to love. If wisdom hadn't stepped forward, and that attribute of God, one of the attributes of God, then man would have no wisdom and understanding, prudence, knowledge, etc., peace. All of these different attributes of God. Let's take a look at in Proverbs 8, and you'll see what I'm talking about uh, there. And many of you already know this may be a little redundant to you, but uh, please uh, uh, allow me for, uh, this time to elaborate on a few of these scriptures that many of you already know. But we need to make sure we understand the fundamentals of the Christ doctrine. For Christ is that spirit who made himself a body of flesh and blood. Uh, we know that from 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. At the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time, the spirit of Christ. That is only one spirit, and Christ is that spirit. But it goes on and says, Peter, who had the revelation of that rock, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, knew who the Son of the living God is. He is the Christ. Christ is the Messiah, Hamashiach. His name is Yeshua, Jesus. And Peter, having that revelation, was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven and said that upon this rock I'll build my church in Matthew 16. Well, the rock, that rock is the revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. And here we're going to see Peter saying in 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11 in his epistle, that that the Spirit of Christ was in the Old Testament prophets, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets all the way to Malachi. Well, that Spirit of Christ is how they prophesied. When it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. Now, we've got a Christ, that Spirit, that is going to suffer somehow or other. And there comes a mystery. It's a mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. In him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So now let's take a look at these attributes of God. Let's see how they work. Let's see who created the heaven and the earth. We know Bereshit Bara, Elohim, A, Allah, Tav, right there in the Shamash, the center branch. It's the fourth uh, Hebrew word, Bereshit in the beginning, Bara created Elohim. God and all of his attributes, plural, plurality of God, plural of Elohim, Alav Tav, a little uh, A, Alav Tav, A to Z, all that God is from A to Z, created Hashemayim, Vayat Hayat, 
the heaven and the earth. Well, in Proverbs 8, we're going to see that wisdom takes on a person, a singular personal pronoun. He's not another person. Wisdom's not another person from God, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. The Tetragrammaton, the Yod Ha Wah Ha, are four different letters of the Greek al- of the uh, Hebrew alphabet, excuse me, in Psalm 119. But it's all God, which is Jesus Christ, who claims to be the Alpha and to the Omega, the A to the Z, the Lot through the Tav, which is the longest chapter in your Bible, Psalm 119, eight verses and under each letter uh, showing that it's the new beginning, which is Jesus Christ there who created all. Uh, there we see, doth not wisdom cry? Now look at Proverbs 8. Wisdom's crying and understanding put forth her voice. There's another voice. Wisdom is one singular personal pronoun, her. And then we have another one, understanding, sets forth her voice. Well, there's two attributes already. I can have wisdom and no understanding. Somebody says he's book God, got a lot of book knowledge, but no common sense at all. She's standing. Now notice the attributes of God are spoken of here in the feminine. She standeth in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates. She, wisdom, cries at the gates, getting understanding and prudence dwells with her. At the entry of the city, at the coming in of the doors. Unto you, O man, I call. I call? Yeah, wisdom. I, wisdom. And that attribute is calling. And my voice is to the sons of man. Singular personal pronoun. O you simple understand wisdom, O you fools, be you of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. Now, of course, we know that things are the things of faith, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. And wisdom is, uh, speaks of these things. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. Lips? Well, there's not a person in heaven up there separate from the Father and say, here's wisdom, here is uh, uh, the Lady Wisdom, and here is understanding with a voice, and here's prudence, and here's power. There's death. They're all attributes of God, which is one spirit. But there's many attributes. And God speaks of each one. And showing us here that my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips, saying that wisdom has lips. When we know God is spirit, well, wisdom is spirit. There's only one spirit. But it's one of the attributes of the us's that God is in his uh, majesty, in his attributes, in his glory and majesty. It's one of them. And the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Wisdom has a mouth. Yes, lips. It speaks. Yes. So it's very if the uh, God who is jealous. You provoke him to jealousy. Well, that's a different attribute. Wisdom's not going there and saying, uh, well, I've got to run over here and be jealous. No, jealousy is its own attribute, of which is God. Now, by my name, jealous. 
or my name is Jellus, capital J-E-L-O-U-S. Well, wisdom. Wisdom is a separate attribute of God. He's one of the us's. Let us make man. And every one of these attributes are going to come forth and be found in man, in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God. And it says this wisdom is a personal, singular personal pronoun, has mouth, lips, it speaks. It is a singular attribute of God, which are one of many us's. And it's, it's very simple that we understand that wisdom is a spirit. And a person can say, well, they've got a lot of uh, uh, natural understanding and uh, but common sense, but they have no wisdom. They don't have this wisdom, which is, but the beginning is the fear of God. Many people have no fear of God. Taught by the precept of men. Well, wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is first the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that is that we worship them. And it says, verse 9, They are plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Verse 10, wisdom says, Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies. And all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Notice the, the singular personal pronoun in verse 12. I, wisdom. Are you there alone, wisdom? One of the attributes of God. Hey, wisdom, come over here. <laughs> you see what? I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Well, prudence. Somebody says he's prudent in thinking. And in his actions. Well, wisdom dwells with prudence. And find out knowledge of witty inventions. Where they're dwelling together. It is uh, the attributes and majesty of God Almighty. The Elohim. Plural of Elohim. What is the Him? It's a plurality of what? The attributes of God and His glory. His majesty. Wisdom certainly is one of them. Instruction, understanding, dwells with prudence. Those are individual attributes of God. He says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way in the forward mouth. Do I hate? Wisdom hates. Well, if you have wisdom, you hate those things. But you're not wisdom. You get wisdom, which is an attribute of God, through the Holy Ghost that we participate of his divine nature. These exceedingly great and precious promises are given to us. Now, over 3,000 in the Word of God. That we might escape the corruption of the world through lust, being made partakers of his divine nature. We partake of wisdom. We partake of understanding, knowledge. We partake of the power. We partake of his kingdom, his majesty. But it's not ours. It's his. Just as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ does, yes. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're going in this grace. We're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Going up into him in all things. What are these things? In the attributes, in the divine nature of God. How do we do that? We put off 
that old man, it screws being, uh, it, it, that old man is perishing. It perishes daily, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And which is created after Christ Jesus. Those that have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, born of the water, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're born of the Spirit. Then this begins your your walk in God. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. There's blood flow in that body of Christ, whichever joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin because we have love for the brethren. There's a blood flow there. And the blood cleanses, second by second, minute by minute. And it says, the forward mouth do I hate. Wisdom, yes, it hates arrogancy. It hates a forward, perverse mouth. He said, counsel is mine. Well, there's an attribute, another attribute of God. It's counsel. Wisdom and counsel go right together. And sound wisdom. I am understanding. So when we get wisdom, then we have uh, another attribute of understanding. I have strength. Now we've got strength. It's power, which is another attribute of God. By me, kings reign, princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. So wisdom, when we get wisdom of God and grow with all the getting, get wisdom, that means that we grow in the love, that nurturing of God and loving him. And we love him, we keep his commandments. Well, if we love wisdom, now, if you reprove a scorner, you get yourself a blot. You reprove a wise, reprove a wise man, he'll love you for it. Well, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Well, durable riches, somebody said, that's money. No, it's not. For money, mammon, does not endure from generation to generation. But these are the endurable, everlasting riches of God. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness. Now, God in the last days is going to put judgment to the line and righteousness to the plummet. That's the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. And righteousness to the plummet is that Jesus is the Lord of righteousness. He is the person of righteousness. Jehovah Tengishkenu, the Lord of righteousness. In the midst of the paths of judgment, all God's ways are judgment. Many attributes here, friend. Not different spirits. Not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost and Spirit Junior and another who knows who knows what. I don't see how in the world you can have a Spirit Junior when there's only one Spirit. You can't slice and dice that Spirit. There's only one. You cannot divide the Spirit of God. If you do, you're in trouble. You have to know that name. The name of that Spirit is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Not Jehovah Junior. Not God Junior. There's no Junior in the Word of God. Now, yeah, I know you have questions. We're going to cover that. Why do you say, My Father's greater than I? The things concerning me have an end. We're going to cover those. 
but we have to understand what Christ is, that revelation of Christ, and that doctrine of Christ, which will answer the question that we have of how God is one. Verse 21, that I might cause those that love me to inherit substance. What substance? This faith, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's your substance. It is uh, the true eternal things, the things which are seen, money, houses, lands, many of everything thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. Prosperity gospel is coming to an end because God is drawing out his people now into one body, in the unity of the faith, not denominations, not I follow, you know, apostle so-and-so or bishop so-and-so. He's calling out his body as one body, members in particular, for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.12. I may cause them that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. What's that? The knowledge of Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures. Why are they hidden? Because he's going to be revealed to those of a pure heart. The Lord possessed me. Yes, that's a, an attribute of God. The Lord possessed me, singular person pronoun again, in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up, not S-I-T, but S-E-T, a state of glory settled, from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. In other words, God is using his attribute and wisdom and all his plan and all his logos, thought, plan, purpose, and will, his wisdom is going to be revealed to the praise of his glory. For there were no depths. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. Wisdom was that from the very first thing God used, his attribute of wisdom. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. He's using his attribute of wisdom in creation, in all things that he's doing, in manifestation, revelation, justification, sanctification, ultimate glorification of us. And that is the mystery of wisdom in Second Corinthians. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, there, the mystery of wisdom, which is that from the foundation of the world, that God was set for us to inherit his glory. And he said, Before the hills I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. In other words, it's by wisdom. Now, it's not the only attribute, but it's certainly one. And wisdom was there. The attribute of God that he used in creation, wisdom. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, where he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him. That's one of the attributes of God. There wasn't another person sitting by the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. He's everywhere. He's, he's omnipresent. You go into heaven, I'm there. You go into hell, I'm there. Where's the house you'll build me, David? 
Then I was by him as one brought up with him. God used his attribute of wisdom. And I was daily his delight. God rejoiced in his wisdom. <laughs> Rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken to me. O oh, you children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction. There's instruction talking. That's another attribute. And be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me. Here's a singular person pronoun again. That's not another God. That's not another spirit. That's not spirit wisdom going with spirit understanding, with spirit power, with spirit jealous. With you. It, It's all attributes of God. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whosoever findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me, against wisdom. Wisdom cries at the door of your heart. Somebody says, well, I don't want it. I'm going to live my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do my thing. I did it my way. Well, I, friend, I'll tell you what. You do it your way and not God's way. I can sure tell you where the scripture says you're going to wind up. He said, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul and all they that hate me love death. And I'm talking about the second death. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. As second death is an eternal. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Seven is perfection. She hath killed she hath killed her beast and hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city, that city of God. Whoso is simple, what is it saying? Let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto him, Come, eat of my bread. Drink of the wine which I have mingled. What's the bread? That's the body of Jesus. What's the wine? That's the blood of Jesus. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, let's take a look at how God did these things. Look at Isaiah 44, 24. Somebody said, let us make man in our own image. Well, so we got the us's there creating it. Yes, we do. But that's not different spirits. It's various attributes that God uses of his own self, of himself alone. Look at Isaiah 44, 24. Somebody said he's speaking to the angels. No, he wasn't. He did it by his word. Take a look at Isaiah 44, 24. It says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Who's your Redeemer? Jesus Christ. And he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ. Colossians uh, uh, 1.26-27. For all things are made by him, for him, and for his good pleasure. Who? Jesus Christ. That stretches forth the heavens alone. Well, where's the other two? <laughs> We're talking attributes here. The very next verse in 27, Genesis 1.27. So God made man. In his own image, male and female created he, them. 
singular personal pronoun, many attributes, but he did it alone. Isaiah 44, 24, when you're talking to your, your Trinity friend, is wanting and hopefully wanting and desiring the truth, the true wisdom of God, who he is and knowledge and understanding and power, strength, the true riches. And I'm not talking about houses and lands. Then you understand God did it alone. Give him the glory due unto his name, Jesus. And what does he say here? I am the Lord that maketh all things. Isaiah 44, 24. Please mark it in your Bibles or make a note of it. Who is this that stretches forth the heavens alone by himself? He says that, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. So in the self of God are many attributes, the us's, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, love, power. All of those attributes came forward, which man could partake of, making man the literal epitome of God's creation, the crown that God of, will do and glory, glorifying that, that mankind bringing many brethren unto glory. You see, whom the Lord did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he also glorified to be conformed to his image, the image of his son, the image of Jesus Christ. Who is it? Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And we'll talk about why in the days of God's own flesh in Emmanuel, God with us, not God Jr. with us, how God works salvation in and of himself alone. It'll answer a lot of your questions. Now, please mark Isaiah 44, 24, and it will help you uh, there to understand that he is God Almighty, and there's not another. He is only one. Take a look at verse 18, Isaiah 44, 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself, that formed the earth and made it. He, not them, he hath established it. He created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. No God Jr. there. No second person of Godhead. Oh, Brother Beard, you mean we've been lied to? Yes. I was raised in a denominational church with my mom uh, singing in there and tell you where we sat in the church as my brother and I uh, young children but I can also tell you that when I was called to preach and found out there is no such thing as a trinity we've been lied to now only ones that will come out of Babylon and touch not that unclean thing he will receive his sons and daughters but we cannot and resist wisdom that cries out. Now, take a look at Isaiah 51, 15. It tells us again about creation. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Yes, plural personal pronouns, which is attributes. Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created man in his own image, male and female. 
created he them. He, singular person pronoun. Isaiah 44, 24, he did it alone. By myself, he said. And then Isaiah 44, 24, and then 25, 18 says the same thing again. He alone is God. Then we go to Jeremiah 51, 15. What attributes did he use? Well, let's take a look at it. Reading from Jeremiah 51, 15. He hath made the earth by his power. Power is a separate attribute than wisdom. I can have a lot of wisdom and no power at all. Power is an attribute of God. He hath established the world by his wisdom. There's that wisdom. He was daily his delights. Before the world, before anything was the foundation of the deep and uh, God's decree, wisdom was there daily his delight. That's not a separate God. Well, they've got power, wisdom, and has stretched out the heaven. How did he do it? By his understanding. There's three attributes there in the us's. And I'm assuring you, he used love came forward for man to love. Wisdom came forward. Understanding came forward. Prudence came forward. Uh, the different attributes, the power came forward. Counsel came forward. All the reasoning came forward. If man had not, if these attributes were not found in man, then he would not be in the likeness of God. He would not be in the image of God, who is the invisible spirit that created all things by himself alone. Isaiah 44, 24. Now let's talk about were these other questions that you had. Why does he say my father's greater than I? The things concerning me have an end. Uh, the voice, excellent voice came from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I will please. If he is the father, why this? Now, let's take a look. So you can, enter, uh, when you understand that, these questions will automatically be answered by your knowledge of Christ. And uh, we, we have to know what that is. In Philippians, well, first, let's take a look at, at Romans 5. Uh, tells us, if you'll turn there, and in Romans 5, he talks about a... Uh, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. And we're talking about, we'll talk about the righteousness of God in a minute. When the Holy Ghost is come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And we're going to see, and we'll talk about a few things therein, uh, who this Holy Ghost is. Uh, uh, there, so you'll know that uh, beyond any shadow of a doubt, the Spirit of the Son is the Spirit of the Father. They're not two different spirits. You can see that in Galatians 4, 6, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Because the Spirit of the Son is the Spirit of the Father, there's only one Spirit, and that is a capital S. Uh, when you take a look at... Um, if you take a look at Philippians, let's go there first. When you go to Romans 5, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. A man, literally Adam, whenever he disobeyed God and ate of the tree of knowledge, he said, the day that each of you, you will surely die. When you eat thereof of that tree of knowledge, you will surely die. Well, you know the, the story in Genesis 3, uh, that uh, came to the 
the serpent came to the woman uh, which was then called Adam, called them Adam. Uh, he created he, him, male and, cre- male and female created he, them. Uh, first he created him and, and woman is of the man. Now, uh, there, the woman said, uh, was tempted of uh, the servant and said, God doth know the day that you eat thereof, you shall not surely die, but you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. Well, now you have mixed provender. You have uh, uh, evil with good. And there's the problem. A little leaven leaveth the whole lump. And then we know that she did give him to eat. Adam did eat full well, knowing he was not deceived, but he ate knowingly there of the tree of knowledge. Now, by that one man's disobedience, Adam, our great, 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 grandfather, one blood of all nations, brought sin upon all mankind. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Now, sin is going to reign by death. But it says also by as that one man, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant. Now, that servant is a man. By one man, my servant shall make, through his obedience, my servant shall make many righteous. As the offenses of one, so also is the free gift of one. Now, as sin reigned by death, now grace reigns through Righteousness, the work of this ministry, how God did it, not of any of our works that we should boast, but by him and him alone, by in and through Christ alone is our salvation, the way, the truth, and life. Now, how did God do it? He's got to have a man. I want you to take a look at Isaiah 63, and so you'll know that God looked for a man. Isaiah 63, 5, if you will the latter part of the verse. Now, we know that by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world death by sin. Therefore, by one man, not God, not spirit, he can't die, can't shed blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So God's put the, the blood upon the altar uh, there to make an atonement for our souls. So therefore, in Isaiah 63, 5, God's looking for a man. Take a look. And he said in Isaiah 63, 5, And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. There was no man. Now, we need to take a look at, at Isaiah 59, 16, because he said, God said, and he saw that there was no man. He needs a man. But all have sinned and come short of, short of the glory of God, none good, no, not one. All conceit and sin, shaping and iniquity. Therefore, after Adam, but this will be the seed of a woman. And she shall be saved in childbearing if she continues in faith with sobriety. In childbearing. Well, in Isaiah 59, 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor, nobody to stand in and be our redeemer, our kinsman redeemer. Therefore, his arm, God's own arm, brought salvation unto him. His arm, not his son, 
but his own arm, his own flesh. Trust not in the arm of flesh. His own arm brought salvation to himself. That's not another God. When you find in the account of Abraham, Abram, before he had the ha, that H in there, because through circumcision made a covenant of God, uh, that and that he believed God has counted him for righteousness in his generation. And he was going to offer Isaac, his only son, Yaquid, his only son. And notice the way it says that. And when Isaac asked his father, Abram, where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide himself. He didn't say God will provide for himself. God will provide himself a lamb. God's provide himself, yes. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only begotten son is the monogamous yours. But that is the same as the monogamous theos, the only begotten God. And we'll prove that by scriptures, that it is God's own arm. That servant is God. That man is God. God says so, and that's the testimony for sealing that one has to have as a believer in order to be saved. There's not another. There's no God Jr. That's the beast. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The beast, they make an image to the beast. Jesus is the image of the God Almighty. He is the Father revealed. He is the Father revealed, and we'll prove that to you here so that you will know why Jesus prayed to the Father in the days of his flesh. Why have a flesh? Well, he looks for a man. Isaiah 59, 16, he looks for a man. He's got to have a man. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin, he's got to have a man that is a holy, righteous, blameless lamb for a sacrifice. Then he has to be free a free will sacrifice, willing to offer himself as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice, as his own blood for the redeeming mankind. But all of sin comes short of the glory of God, and they all conceived in sin, shape, and iniquity. God's looking for a man. There is none. So what does he do? It says here, he he saw there was no man. There's no man. And wondered that there was no intercessors. Nobody can stand in there as that intercessor for mankind. Therefore, what does God do? His arm, trust not in the arm of flesh, brought salvation unto him. Spirit, his arm, his flesh, brought salvation unto him. The spirit, God is a spirit. And his righteousness, it sustained him. Now we look at, that's Isaiah 59, 15. Look at what Isaiah 63, verse 5 said. He says it again. And I looked and there was none to help and I wondered there was none to uphold. Uphold what? For salvation, for the, for the, the mankind. Therefore, God said, mine own arm, not somebody else's arm, mine own arm, salvation, what? Brought salvation unto me. My arm brought salvation to me. God's own human brought salvation to himself. So God made himself a servant. How did he do that? Oh, let's take a look. Let's see how he did it. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8 is going to tell us how God did it. And this is your key. This is your key to understanding. 
that has eluded many people for so long. But God's always had a seed. He's always had a people. He's always had believers that were not duped into a Trinity, Binitarian, or Oneness doctrine. He's always had the gates of hell that should not prevail against this rock, this revelation, this Christ, that people that were in Christ in the church of the living God. How did God do this? Well, we've got to have a man. A man lost that only a man can redeem us back. Romans 5 tells us that. And Adam all died. And we're all born of Adam. One blood of all nations. So we have to be born again of the water and the spirit. We have that in Acts 2.38. Peter has the keys of the kingdom. That just starts a race, friend. That's not finishing the race. That's just beginning the race. Don't you know that all run a race, but only one run the prize? That prize, I call him God in Christ Jesus, which is uh, uh, the king priest that will reign with the Lord a thousand years. And then, and then we have the white throne judgment. Not, not getting into the white throne today. Now, we're going to take a look at Philippians. How did God work salvation in and of himself? I've had ministers, after I get through, before I'd start the meeting, say, how can God glorify his own human back to himself? Well, I just gave you two verses. Isaiah 59, 16, and Isaiah 63, 5. He's got to have a man. Romans, Romans 5 says so. A man lost and only a man can redeem us back. God's got to have a man. His own arm's going to bring salvation to himself. Well, we know that. But how? How's God going to do this? The devil thinks he's won this case. Because he knows a man lost it. He knows there's no man of Adam that can be the perfect spotless blameless lamb because after Adam and in Adam have all sinned. And we've got to have a perfect spotless blameless lamb for sacrifice. So the devil thinks he's won this victory. If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord Who's the Lord? The Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Tetragrammaton, the yod Jehovah Lord. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> uh, but the wisdom of God. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, tells us exactly how God does it. And it's the key for you understanding, for all of us to understand how God did it, how he loves us. And he would go to such uh, depths, such a humbling of himself, God himself, to redeem us back to himself. And there's the love of God literally presented to us. And we see that in 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive you the love of God because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. His life is God's own life. But not spirit. Spirit can't die. He had to have a man of flesh and blood made and under the law. One of us, our kinsman redeemer, just like us. That'll be tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. A perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God that has fulfilled that law in every area. And every point of that law being tested, tried, and found blameless, both spirit, soul, and body. Perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God. And then that Lamb, after he has literally proven, been tempted at all points like as we are, making the capital of our salvation perfect through sufferings, 
crucifying the flesh with affections and the lust, always doing those things that please God in a perfect sacrifice as a man, then he's got to be willing to lay down his life for all mankind as our kinsman redeemer. And Jesus did that. He said, I freely lay down my life. No man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I received from my father. Who's the father? Jesus said in John 2, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. This is my own body of flesh. I have power to raise it up. Why? Because he's not a man to become God. He's God that took on flesh as a man. And when you understand that, and Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells you exactly how God did it. When you understand that revelation of Christ, then you'll say, oh, well, that's simple. That shows God's love for me. Yes. Yes, it does. So Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Now, let's talk about that form a minute. Form is Morpha. Morpha is an eternal, everlasting state. It's not something, it's not schema. It's not something that you're fashioned as and then put it off. It is eternal. And Jesus, who being in the form, Morpha, of God. Now see, who is God? Well, God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For God seeketh such to worship him. The true worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. But God is a capital spirit. Capital S, spirit. Well, that is the self-existent, eternal Elohim, God Almighty, the Lord Jehovah, the Tetragrammaton. He's the Allah through the Tav. He's everything and all the attributes of God in one spirit that has many majesty attributes of God. That's the us in Genesis one twenty six. Jesus is in the form, Morpha, of God. He's as spirit. But all of these attributes... He is the Word. He is the Father. The Father is the administrative office of the Spirit. Jesus created all things by Him, for Him, and for His good pleasure. Colossians 1 tells us. Well, He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshit bra Elohim Alaf Tav eight. Who's the Alaf Tav? Jesus said, "I am." Revelation one eight. I'm the Alaf Tav. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the ending. I am that first and the last. The Almighty. Revelation one eight. He says, "I'm the Almighty God." Paul said the same thing to Timothy in First Timothy six fifteen. The blessed and only potentate Jesus Christ. Potentate is capital P, omnipotent, Almighty. He is that omniscient, omnipresent, uh, that is omnipotent God Almighty, the blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality, not two or three of them, just one. Entering in, blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality, dwelling, permanently dwelling, dwelling in the light, the fire of God, which no man, can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. I can't, you can't, I can't. We're not the Savior. We're not God. He is. 
He always has been. And that's the reason they were going to stone him. Jesus said, why? Why do you stone me? Daylight's with you in the synagogue. Teaching. And they say, for a good work we stone you not. But thou being a man, makest thyself God. You say you're the son of God. We know what that is. Now, apparently, through the various seminaries and everything that we have down here on the face of this earth, they don't know that son of God means the father revealed. They knew what it meant. Thou being a man, makest thyself God. Yep, that's right. And that's the reason they stoned him. Well, stone him. And finally, ultimately, said he blasphemed what further need we have of any witnesses. This man blasphemed. Well, he came from God, went back to God. He saw Pilate before there. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend back up to heaven where he was before? He is God. Well, how did he work salvation? Ah, here we go. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells us exactly how God, God did it. The Lord Jesus Christ, that God laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 1 John three sixteen. Take a look. Jesus, who being in the form of God, that's an eternal state, spirit. He's always been spirit, always will be spirit. He is God, has been God, and always will be God. That is the I am that I am. Self-existent, eternal, no beginning nor end. The first and last always is, has been, and will be God. Jesus is in that form. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Nobody's equal with God. I'll share my glory with no one. But all the attributes of God, he is the word. Everything was made by him. The word was made flesh. Not God Jr. made flesh. The word was. That's God himself. And God said, let there be light. And God said, and that's how he did it by himself alone. The word is not the Son, the Father's not the Son, but it is a different office. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost are all spirit with no blood. The Son is that spirit revealed in the days of his flesh as a body of flesh and blood. So the Son of God has two attributes in the days of his flesh. Two characteristics. Number one, he is a spirit without measure. Number two, he is revealed in a body of flesh and blood. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the express image, express image of his person, not express, express image of his person. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. So the word, the Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. The offices are distinct offices depending upon the function that God does. Therefore, Father is the creator of all. He is that administrative office of the Spirit, the Father. All right, who is the Father? Jesus said uh, there that all things are made by him. Well, the Father created all things. By myself alone, Isaiah 44, 24. And the earth, by myself. Well, there are various attributes, but all of the attributes are equal. Wisdom is not greater than love or power or whatever attribute is God. 
So Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What is that? He's in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. For God is all, he is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, and omnipresent everywhere. And that is that spirit, the spirit of God. The Father's administrative office of the spirit, one spirit. The word is that same spirit, but a different function, the logos. It's the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God. That when God's showing his plan, his purpose, his will, that is word. Then the Holy Ghost, that's a power office of the Spirit. Same Spirit. The Father is the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is the Father. Word is the Father. Word is the Holy Ghost. It's one of the self-same Spirit, but it's a different function. And you shall receive power that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Son of God is the redemptive office of that same spirit. Well, that spirit has to have a man, a body of flesh and blood in order to work salvation for us who are under the law. And the son of man is that kingdom office. He is that word that was from the beginning that was with God, was God, and is God. In John 1 verse 1. And that word was made flesh, dwelt among us. The Father revealed, John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. That one is not whom in, in a union. Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. That's H-E-I-S, heis, one in the self-same spirit. Jesus said so. He said the same thing. They said, where is your Father? In John 8, 13 through 27. And Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. This they understood not. He spake to them of the Father. They still don't understand it today. Why? We need to focus in on what Paul is telling us here and how God did this. We need to know how God did it so we'll have understanding, which is wisdom. There is a very, very important statement that Paul makes here of utmost importance in the essence of how God did it. How he worked salvation in and of himself. How he, his own arm, brought salvation to him. How did he do it? Verse 6. He said, verse 7, but, there's that but, made himself. Even though he's God. Even though he is that spirit. Even though he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. Even though he is the I am that I am and all his attributes and glory. But made himself, God himself, of no reputation. One time in the word of God, one time only. No reputation, not some reputation. No reputation. Somebody said, what in the world? Well, remember, God said, I looked for a man that was no intercessor. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, God's own arm. But to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? It has to be revealed to you. Isaiah 53, 1. Who is this arm of the, this arm of the Lord? Trust not in the arm of flesh. It's the flesh of God Almighty, his own arm. Well, he says here, he made himself of no reputation. That's a big but. But God made himself of no reputation, not some reputation, no reputation. Now, when we look at that, it's a K-E-N-O-O, 
And that cano means that the kenosis means emptied out. Made of not, not a. We find the same in Leviticus 16 when the high priest on the day of atonement would take off his garments of glory and beauty and lay them aside in the sanctuary, the holy place, and put on the linen garments, the linen breeches, the linen bonnet. He's becoming one with the people. He's taken off his garments of glory and beauty, Exodus 28. In Leviticus 16, he's taken them off. He's taken off all those garments of glory and beauty. The mitre with the blue lace, with the ephod, and all of that, the breastplate of judgment. He's taken all that and puts on, in the sanctuary, in the holy place, puts on a linen garments, becoming one with the people. Because he's going to make an offering for himself and the people as well. And when he does that, it signifies to us he's becoming one, one with the people. The, the high priest is. And all the ones that are in the sanctuary, the priesthood, all come out and only one man is going all the way through. He's going to offer all the sacrifices, the uh, two goats that go to uh, Hazazel. He's going to go through all of, all of that. And then after all the sacrifices are done, sprinkling the mercy seat eastward, etc., when he gets through, then he's coming out of the holiest of all, back into the sanctuary, the holy place, that is the candlestick, the shoe bread, and the, the altar of incense that he has taken in within the veil. And he's going to take off the linen garments and there lay them aside, never to be worn again, and put on his garments of glory and beauty. Your Lord Jesus did the same thing for you as our great high priest. He made himself of no reputation. He laid aside his glory. He put a self-imposed limitation upon himself. He did not cease and desist from being the Spirit of God, God Almighty. He always is, has been, and always will be. Jesus Christ. But he hadn't revealed his name yet and won't reveal it until he takes on a permanent Dwelling, a permanent tabernacle, a permanent house, a permanent temple. And that's the reason Jesus said, destroy this temple. Not an iron, but naos. That is the temple of his body. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. You will raise it up. They said 40 and six years were the people building this temple. And you're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus spake of the temple of his body. No man can raise up his own body except he be God. Well, but he's got to work salvation first. He's got to have a man. Can't find one. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. Conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. What does God do? He makes himself of no reputation. Why? Because he can't work his spirit. He's got to work only his flesh and blood. He's got to have a kinsman redeemer as an intercessor. He's got to have a man there that it will be a perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God and be willing to give his life a ransom for many. How does he do it? Philippians 2. Literally right there, 6 through 8, tells you exactly how God did it. Paul giving us that information. That is and will answer your questions of how and why Jesus had to pray to the Father, 
why he said my father's greater than I. The things concerning me have an end. Because when he makes himself of no reputation, God is not dying. The Spirit's not dying. You see, each office is a separate office and is an eternal office or function of the Spirit. The Father is the everlasting, forever office of the Spirit as the administrative office, the Father of all, creator of all, the Father. The Word is the Logos. It is that Logos is, that word is an everlasting expression, office of the Spirit. The thought, plan, purpose, and will of God revealed in His Logos, His Word. That Holy Ghost is an everlasting office. It is the power of God. You shall receive power that that Holy Ghost comes upon you. That is an everlasting office. The Son of God is that office that's everlasting, which is the redemptive office of the Spirit. It is the Spirit right here that God is making himself of no reputation. God himself. He's in the form of God. He makes himself of no reputation. Why? He's not going to work his Spirit. He's laying aside his glory, just like the high priest did in Leviticus 16. And that is a self-imposed limitation not some reputation, but no reputation. Nothing. Nada. Totally void. A self-imposed limitation on all go to work as spirit. So what does he do? He takes upon him another form. Read it. Verse 17. He made himself, got himself of no reputation. Now that spirit is not going to work. It's going to be latent, laid back, self-imposed limitation, no reputation. And took upon him, there's a spirit, and he's going to take upon him, upon that spirit, the form. What form? That's morpha. That is an eternal state. Not something you're going to put off. Something there forever. The form, the morpha of a servant. God? Yes, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, everywhere, all-powerful, self-existent, I am that I am, make it of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Why? For you and for me, those that were under the law. He takes upon him the, the, the form of the Spirit is made of no reputation. Literally turns that by no glory. A self-imposed limitation, he will not work his spirit. Takes upon him the form of a servant. Well, the spirit's manifest there, but it's not working his spirit. It's working only as a man. Why? Because a man lost it. A man, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man, not a God-man. That one, this doctrine is wrong. When he walked on the water, he's God. Whenever uh, he was worried with his journey, he was a man. Wrong. He worked as a man through the eternal spirit, just like we do now. He become one of us. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's one of us. He's not a God man. If he's working his God down here, then he can't tell me to be perfect because he's God. I can't be God. But if he's working only as a man, as my kinsman redeemer, and tells me to be perfect, then he expects me to be perfect, and he's going to show me how 
as a man of flesh and blood made in under the law, just like me, what I must do with the way, truth, and life to overcome and enter into life through him, by him, and in him alone. So he's going to step down, all the way down from God making himself of no reputation and takes upon him the form of a servant. That servant, there is God, but he's made of no reputation because he's going to work salvation as his own arm, his own arm of flesh and blood, that the whom had this arm of the Lord been revealed. Because God wants to redeem us. And to do that, he has to have a man, and he is doing it by himself, making himself of no reputation, takes upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. Genotomai, made. Word made flesh. Genotomai. And that flesh, made in the likeness of men. That's our servant. That's one like us. That's our kinsman redeemer. Hebrews 2 says, For as much then as the children partakers of flesh and blood, he himself also likewise, God himself likewise, took part of the same. How? He made himself of no reputation, took on him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, fashion is schema, well, that's going to change. His nose is going to grow. His ears are going to grow. His body's going to grow. That's schema. Fashion as a man. Well, he takes upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. God found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, even to the death, the death of the cross. Where the denominations have missed it, through trying to figure it out with their own earthly intellectual mind, have said, well, that's the Son of God that did it. No. God didn't say he was in the form of Son of God. He's in the form of God. That's God. That's not God, Junior. <laughs> that's God. God. You can find that in Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 63, 5. That's his own arm of flesh. It's God himself. We're going to see that in a minute. We're going to see who that servant is. Tells us very plainly who it is. So, God made himself of no reputation. Why is he doing that? Because he cannot redeem us as spirit. He's got to redeem us only as a man. What does he do? Makes himself of no reputation as spirit. The spirit is literally not working, but literally made of no reputation. Takes on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man humbles himself to the death, the death of the cross, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. So what we're saying there is that Jesus, the servant, the man, is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 Without controversy, great is a mystery of godliness, the God life. What is that mystery? God, God himself, was manifest, God himself was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, 
Who? God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. Not son of God with us. God with us. And received up into glory. Now, you can see how Christ, that spirit, 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, and this doctrine of Christ, that Christ is that spirit. The spirit of Christ that was in the Old Testament prophets. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. That the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them, when it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. Now he's going to become a man. How does he do it? To work only as a man. He makes himself of no reputation, not working his spirit, but only as a man. The Spirit is latent, laid back. He's not going to work as that. Because if he does, he breaks his own law. The law has to be fulfilled by a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. Romans 5. Now we're getting into the doctrine of Christ. The Christ, the spirit of Christ, is also the sufferings of Christ. It's not Christ Jr. It's Christ, that spirit. Who is that servant? Jesus, who being in the form of God, Forever, that spirit always has been, always will be that spirit. Made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Who is that servant? Made in the likeness of men. Take a look at Isaiah 43.10. And we'll see what Isaiah says about this servant. Isaiah 43.10. And Isaiah telling us, he's told us that in Isaiah 59.16, the Lord's made himself a, a body of flesh and blood. He says in Isaiah 63, 5, he's got to have his own arm brought, brought salvation to him, himself. My own arm brought salvation to me, God said. Well, look at Isaiah 43, 10. Who is this servant, this man? Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, not some denomination, of which is over 32,000, or that's what they tell us. Or no bishop or apostle, but God himself said, you are my witnesses. You that's listening to me now, watching this podcast, listening to the podcast, whatever the case may be. You are my witnesses, God said. We are. We're the witnesses for God. We believe this witness that God gave of his son, that he is. He is God. And through that testimony, we have set to our seal that God is true. What does he say here that God is true? We receive that witness of God. What is that witness? Verse 10, Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that that Lord is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Tetragrammaton, the Yoha-Waha. It is Jehovah. It is Jehovah Lord, the self-existent eternal spirit, of God, no blood. That spirit can't die for us, can't be tempted. But, and my servant whom I have chosen, and my servant. That servant is God, took upon himself the form of a servant. Who is that servant? Well, that servant whom I have chosen. I chose that servant. How'd he do it? 
Well, Romans 8, 3, and what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin of the flesh. There's no place in the word of God. It said that God the Father sent God Jr. into the world to die for the sin of the world. That's a, that's a total, total lie. Yeah, literally, some false conception made by some man's intellect, which is a way that seemeth right to the man, but the end of the thereof are the ways of death. Well, then who is it? Well, who is that? Who is this servant whom I have chosen? Well, uh, in the fullness of time, how did God send forth his son? He sent him forth. How did he do it? It's his word. He sent his word and healed him. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Same spirit. And the word with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was anything made that was made. And it was life. The life was the light of man. As man sent for God, his name was John. He was not that light sent to bear witness of that light. That light, that uh, light with every man that cometh into the world. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, not them, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, many received him, the Father who is manifest in the Son, who is the Holy Ghost, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which are born neither, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. We behold his glory. The glory is only begotten. Son of the Father. Only begotten of God. What is that begotten? That's a monogamous. Monogenes. Monogamous. That only begotten son. Monogamous. That genotomai. Word made flesh. Flesh is not so much just clothed in flesh. Something that you, you can robe himself in flesh. Many say he's robed. He's not robed robed in flesh. It didn't say he's robed in flesh. It literally became the word was made flesh. That literally flesh is sarka, S-A-R-X, which is a human spirit with a rational soul and a human body of flesh and blood just like you and just like me. Not an atom before the fall, but an atom after the fall. How do we know that? Galatians 4, verse 4. Said in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Made of a woman. How? The word made flesh. Not God Jr., but God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. Not God Jr. with us. <laughs> it's God. Give him the glory. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said, John 14. John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. This is essential for salvation. Somebody said, well, he said, my father is greater than I. Yes, he did. Why? Now, here's the reason why. We need to know who this servant is. We need to know who this man is. God said in, in Isaiah 43.10, we know that God sent forth his son in the fullness of time. Galatians 4 verse 4, made of a woman, made it under the law. And Adam in under law to redeem us that were under the law. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. And here he said, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the Spirit, and my servant whom I have chosen, 
Yes, it sounds like there's two. I believe we realize that. But we're not leaning to our own understanding. We're going to believe God. You are my witnesses, say the Lord. Believe me. Believe me and understand. This is wisdom. Understand what? That you may know and believe me and understand. Understand what? That I am he. I am that servant. Key word. Before me, there was no God formed. Jesus was in the form of God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Well, he, the servant, is God. God says, I, the spirit, am he. I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall be after me. There's the only one that will ever be God Almighty. There's not another. Never will be another one. Not before him, not after him. The only manifest God manifesting his name, Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, is Jesus Christ. The Son of God is the Father revealed. He is the Lord Jehovah. And Jesus said, I and my Father are one. John 10, 30. And there he is God. He's told him over there in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house of many mansions. It was not so, but I told you I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, in the way you know, some say to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh through the Father, but by me. From henceforth, you both know him and have seen him. Philip says unto him, Lord, I believe you're the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty. Show us the Father, and that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. Jesus said, oh, let me, let me go see if I can find him. No. <laughs> he said, if, if, show us the Father, and it suffices. That's, a, that's what the world's asking today, just like Philip. Well, show us the Father. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? You don't know that I am the Father revealed? I'm the express image of his singular person, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3? That I'm the image of the invisible God? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said that, that uh, not many days hence. And you will see me, the kingdom of God. That was on the day of Pentecost. That's Christ in you, that's Jesus Christ, the spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who's that Christ? Jesus. He said, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou known know me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then show us the Father? Believe me that I'm in my Father and Father in me. The Word made flesh is the Father the Word, God Almighty, made himself of no reputation, took on him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man. God said in, in Isaiah 43, 10, that you may know and believe me and understand, I am, God is, the Lord Jehovah is that servant. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See what? Even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There's only one Savior. Not Buddha, Krishna. Not Mohammed, not Allah. There's only one Savior. He said, I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. 
Therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. That servant is God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. I am that servant. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Let it. Verse 14. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer. Who's your Redeemer? Jesus Christ. The Holy One of Israel. Who is that Holy One of Israel? The devil's come there to Jesus and said, we know thee who thou art. You're the Holy One of Israel. Yeah. The devil's believe in one God and tremble. You believe in one God, you do well. But you're not doing well in the Trinity. You've got us's over there in Genesis 1.26 to be the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Those are attributes of God. Genesis 1.27 is a singular one. He created the earth and the heaven by myself alone. Isaiah 44.24. We haven't read the word of God. Therefore, we're following a false doctrine. And if we miss that, we miss it all. If we don't have Jesus as the Father, John 8.24, we will die in our sins. The doctrine of Christ is that Christ is God who manifested in a body of flesh and blood as the Son. The Son is the Father revealed. See me, you've seen the Father. The words that I speak are not mine, Jesus said, John 14, but the Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently in me forever. The Father dwelleth in me. He's the one doing the works. What works? If you don't believe that, believe me. If you don't believe my father from me, else believe me for the work's sake. He said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, know ye the kingdom of God's come nigh unto you. Well, who is he? What works did he do? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, lame walk, captive went free, and blessed is he whomsoever is not offended in me, not in us, in me. But many are offended on that. Thinking, well, you're telling me I'm wrong. Well, I had to go through the same thing, friend. I was raised in a church in a denomination, a huge denomination in the Bible Belt. Found out it was totally wrong. And then when I sat down and read the Word for three years, my wife went to work. I sat down and read the Word eight, ten hours a day for three years. My wife worked and paid all the bills while I read. I thought, oh my God. It shook me to the very core. And then going around and asking questions, this, that, and then said, yes. There is a remnant out there. There is a remnant that believe in one God. Oh, yes. The Jesus only doctrine of Christ. What is that doctrine of Christ? That he is God. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 43, 14. For your sake I have sent to Babylon, brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose cries in the ships, Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, not a Holy Trinity, the Creator of Israel, your King. Now, now here, watch what we say now. We have a law. I'm going to hold this, this tablet up. This is the law. Over here, we have God. Over here, is all mankind that are lost, and the law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful. But by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. And what this law could not do, that in that it was weak in the flesh, God, sending his own son, the word made flesh, condemned in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, not in the God, in the flesh, 
Who is that? That's God's own arm. That's God's own flesh. That's God's own servant who is the Lord, our Redeemer, God Almighty, the Holy One of Israel. Now to understand, I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the law. God is literally now born in the city of David, Christ, and Christ is that spirit, the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us in a body of flesh and blood called the Son of God. But he's made in, under the law. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's an Adam after the fall. Galatians 4 verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made it under the law. Yes, to redeem us that were under the law for our sakes. Now the question is, as just by God coming into the world, manifesting himself in a body of flesh, are we saved? No, that law is still there. It's in his dying, the shed blood of Jesus. But after shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He's given it to us upon the altar to make atonement. That blood is the life of all flesh, right? uh, Leviticus 17, 11. Therefore, he, the spirit, is made of no reputation. It's emptied out, not working his spirit, working only as a man and under this law. And it's still separating. That law is still there. Well, God's manifest in it. Oh, there, we ought to have it right there. God came into the world. No, that law is still there, separating the spirit from the flesh, which is our kinsman redeemer for all mankind. He's born as one of us, Hebrews 2. Hebrews 4.15, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. But that's his flesh and blood. And under the law, Galatians 4 verse 4. So what's God doing? He is not working his spirit. He's working as a flesh and blood man, just like you, just like me as our kinsman redeemer. And he's going to fulfill this law in every area, which is a wall of partition, parting God from man. And that law is still there. And even though God is manifest in the flesh, that law has still has to be fulfilled by a man of flesh and blood. As uh, by one man, disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin, therefore by one man, not a God-man, only man. So God makes himself in no reputation to work only as a man. That law is still there dividing us. Even God in his own body of flesh and blood, that law is still there. And therefore, God, the Father of glory, the Word, the Holy Ghost, God Almighty himself, which is but one spirit. 1 John 5, 7. Father, Word, and Holy Ghost, he's three of one. Exactly the same spirit. There, the man Christ Jesus, who is made an under law for us, has to then do everything in this law to fulfill the law according to the letter of that law. As a man. Not as a God-man, but as a man. So he daily has to make the Word his delight. He's got to read those scriptures. He's got to grow in favor with God and with all men as a man because that law is still there. Just because God has come in the flesh, we're not redeemed yet. Until he dies and literally fulfills that law and breaks down this middle wall of partition, that law is still there. And that's what exactly is happening. 
in the days of his flesh, God's own flesh, that he's working only as a man of flesh and blood to fulfill his own law. That law states in Numbers 4 that the high priest takes his office at age 30. So Jesus can't begin his ministry until age 30. The law said so. Six times it mentioned in Numbers 4, the high priest takes his law office at age 30. So Jesus, fulfilling his own law, has to be 30 years old in order to fulfill that law. And then everything he does, that wall's still there, so he still has to show us the way, the truth, and the life by praying to the Father, showing us how we are to pray, fast, as soon as he, then he has to be uh, uh, baptized, not to wash away his sins. He's born the spotless lamb, lamb of God, blameless lamb of God. But at age 30, he goes to John the Baptist. He's got to fulfill this law. John the Baptist is of the course there of uh, uh, his dad, Zechariah, the course of Abijah, of Levi, of Aaron, of the Levitical priesthood and goes to him because we're going to have a transition from the world, the Levitical priesthood to that of the priesthood of Melchizedek after the order of Melchizedek, the king priest. So therefore, there's going to be a change. He goes to John the Baptist. Now, in the Old Testament, what they would do, well, because the high priest could not continue by reason of age, that he would take his son and he would do three things. He would take it down. Number one, he'd pour oil on him. Number two, lay hands on him and speak over him and say, Thou art the high priest in my stead. Then his son at age 30 would take over that priesthood and he would be quit of it. He would retire. Now the son would be the high priest. Well, Jesus goes to John, John the Baptist, of Zechariah, of the course of Abijah, of the Aaronic priesthood, the biblical priesthood. And there's going to be a change of this political priesthood there. And uh, he goes to John the Baptist and said, baptize me. He said, I have need to be baptized of you, of you, of whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Jesus said, suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness. I'm fulfilling this law. Not to wash away my sins, but to fulfill all righteousness. When he does... John the Baptist goes to him. Number one, lays hands on him. Number two, puts him under water. Number three, he doesn't speak over him. That law is still there, friend. Jesus goes down in a body, his own body of flesh and blood, and under there the, in the Jordan River, there where he was baptizing Beth Arba. And when he does, comes out straight way out of the water. And uh, at that point, there, John the Baptist lays hands on him, puts him under water, John the Baptist doesn't speak over him because this is a change in priesthood. A voice comes from the excellent glory from the Father saying, this is my beloved son. Well, what happened? Then it was given to a sign. A sign, that law is still there now. A sign of John the Baptist said, whosoever he sees the Holy Ghost descending as a dove upon him, he it is that baptizes with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. That is the Son of God. That's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So what's that sign? The Holy Ghost in the form of a dove comes down and rests upon Jesus. What happens at that time? From that time on, Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Yes, but that law is still there. The Holy Ghost, the God Almighty, the Father of Glory, can't break through upon him except through the law. 
The law has to be fulfilled in every area. But the Holy Ghost can work through that high priest after he's anointed. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, worked through the, uh, the Old Testament prophets. So there were three different offices in the, in the Old Testament that the Spirit of Christ worked through, and that was a king, priest, and prophet. All right? Jesus fulfilling his own law as a king, priest, and prophet. Then what happens? He fulfills the law at age 30. That he could be the high priest. Now the Holy Ghost can start breaking through there and working upon him. He said that. But the voice doesn't come from John the Baptist and says, it comes from the more excellent glory. Peter said, of which were eyewitnesses. Thou art my beloved son in whom I well please. Right here, Jesus. This is the one. Here you have. He's the one. Now all the prophets said, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus said, I say unto you. Why? Because he's in the order of Melchizedek. The law is still there. He's fulfilling the law as a man. But now the Spirit can start working through him. He's growing in favor with God and man through the reading of the Word of God. That word's daily his delight. You can read the crucifixion Psalms. You can read the Psalms about Jesus. There, that, that constantly in the Word. At 12 years old, he, he astounds the priesthood uh, because he's only 12 years old. And uh, they said, well, where were you? They, they, they had lost him. He said, I must be about my father's business. Why did he say my father? Because that law is there still separating a distinction from the spirit, from the flesh and blood of the man. He's one of us. Until that law, that middle wall of partition is broken down, he's going to have to pray to the Father in our stead. He's going to have to show us the way, the truth, and life. It is God's own body. It is God's own flesh. It is God's own form of a servant. Yes, we know that. But the law is being fulfilled. That's what you have to understand. He's got to fulfill that law. And what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son. How? That's a word made flesh. But the flesh is working as a man only, not as God, but as a man. And as a man, he's fulfilling that law. When you get that, you'll understand how low did Jesus go for you. The height of him, the height of Christ, the height, depth, and length, and width of Christ, the height, he is God Almighty. What's the depth? How low did he go? He became one of us. Literally emptied out of glory, made of no reputation, not as God, but as a man only as our kinsman redeemer. And glorifies his own human. Well, he said all that time, he said, my father's greater than I. Why? Because he's in the days of his flesh. That law's still there. When you understand that law, that law of ordinances and, and statutes and judgments of this law has to be fulfilled in every letter of this law. Try it in every point of that law, just like us. And yet he has to be without sin in both spirit, soul, human spirit, rational soul, and human body. He's fulfilling his own law as his own human, as his own flesh and blood body, word made flesh, sarka. He's doing it for us. Not for him. He's always been God. Always will be God. He could call six legions of angels and come down off the cross and still been God. But that wouldn't have redeemed us. A legion, 6,000, that's 72,000 angels, six legions. 12 legions, I'm sorry, angels. 12 legions of angels, 6,000, he's one of 72,000 angels. But he didn't. Why? Because for this cause was he born, that he might redeem us in under the law. So the law is still there. 
And as a man, not as God, but as a man, at age 30, the Spirit of God can start working through the man because the law said so. And the priest, king, priests, and prophets there could start work, working through the Spirit of Christ that was in them. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. Now, he as a man there will, first thing that happens, immediately after Jesus straightway comes up out of the water, the heavens are open to him. The voice comes from the excellent glory, Thou art my son, and whom well pleased. And John sees that, that, uh, uh, that, that dove coming down and abiding on Jesus. He said, I must decrease, he must increase. And then at that point, then Jesus goes out and uh, immediately the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. There to be tempted of Satan. First thing. Like our faith is going to be tried, so is by fire. Jesus went through it, but far more in every area that we have been tempted to the fullness and never sin, spirit, soul, or body. As he fulfills that law, he says, my father is greater than I. He's showing us. He's one of us. The things concerning me have an end. Yes, the, the flesh and blood. Then he says, then he says, Father, he's praying to the Father, Father, glorify thou me. God says, I have glorified you and I will glorify you again because the Lord is lifting him up, progressively glorifying his own human back to himself. For God, that is Christ, who is God, was in Christ. Well, Christ is God. Yeah, but if God said Christ was in Christ, reconciled the world back into himself, Christ, we think, well, that doesn't make, that's hard to understand. God, who is Christ, 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11, was in Christ, reconciling the world back into himself. God, that is Christ, is in God's own body of flesh and blood, his servant, redeeming his own body of flesh and blood back to himself for us. His own arm brought salvation to himself. So he's having to pray because the law is still there. When you understand, he's fulfilling the law. The law requires blood. Therefore, Jesus said, Father, glorify thou me. He said, I've glorified you. I'll glorify you again. All the miracles that he does is progressive going higher and higher in glory. Yeah, we would go up to raising the dead. Three in, all, three in the Old Testament raised from the dead and three in the New Testament raised from the dead. The three in the New Testament starts off, we have uh, Jairus' daughter. The law is still there. Jairus' daughter. The law is still there. Jesus there is increasing there in the glory. Growing from glory to glory. Showing us the way, the truth and life. Going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. In his own human, his own body of flesh and blood. His own servant made in the likeness of men. Glorifying his own human back to himself. Well, and uh, uh, Jesus there goes to Jairus' house. And she's been dead a couple hours. Jairus' daughter. And raises her from the dead. Been dead a few hours. Then we go to the widow of Nain's son. Been dead probably a couple of days. Well, certainly longer than Jairus' daughter. See how the glory's going higher and higher. The miracles. And that we said the two or three hour sermon on that. That you go from miracle to miracle, from from first the marriage of Cana of Galilee uh, turns the water into wine, and each one of the miracles get higher and higher in glory. 
because Jesus is being glorified with God, his own human being glorified with God, back to God, to the ultimate where he will fulfill this law in every area and then go to the cross. Well, he goes to the widow of Nain's son, been dead a couple of days, stops a funeral procession, goes to the bier, the coffin, and says, son, the same to the arise, presents the boy back to her mother, his mother alive, the widow. Now we go to Lazarus. He's been dead four days. And you know the story by this time he stinketh. Lazarus, come forth. Well, and to take the great clothes off of him and set him free. Loose him and let him go. Well, they spend dead four days. You can see the miracle all going higher and higher in glory. Jesus has fulfilled every area of this law, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. Now he's fulfilled all that. Now it comes time that he is the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God, been tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. And then he says, I freely lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. He's freely, he's our free will sacrifice that he free willingly gives of himself. Every death required, if you murder somebody, required vengeance. But Jesus' blood did not speak of vengeance. Well, the Romans, uh, they crucified him on the cross. Jesus said, I can come down off his cross. Twelve, I can call 12 legions of angels and come down off his cross. He freely gave his life Life's blood. Came by water and blood. And there on that, we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory. What glory did you have, Jesus? That law is still there. It's still separating from God and all mankind. Even though you're one of us, it's still separating you. You've still got to pray to the Father. Even though you are, but you've made yourself of no reputation so you can work salvation as one of us. You've taken your own servant, your own human. You've become that flesh made, that word made flesh. God manifests in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. You're doing it, but not with as spirit because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. John 17, 5. Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the world was. You know that glory I laid aside and made myself of no reputation? I want it all back. All power, all everything, not with just what the power in heaven, but with your own self, the self of God, the self of the man and the self of God becoming one, literally going back to where he was before in glory. Give me that glory back. I want that glory back that I had with you before the world was with your own self, John 17, 5. Now we know Jesus is dying on the cross. We know when he dies, he said, Father, into thy hands. He's still having to pray to the Father. The law's still there. He's having to pray to the Father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. His human spirit was committed unto God. Did nothing worthy of death. 
spotless, blameless, perfect Lamb of God, perfect sacrifice. But behold, that Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What happened? The veil rent from top to bottom. That is the veil to say his flesh, Jesus. The rocks rent. But what happened? Ephesians 2 said Jesus took the ordinances of this law, separating God from all mankind. He's that man, and he is God, but that law is still separating it. Because until that blood is shed, righteous, holy, blood of Jesus Christ, fulfilling that law, that law still there, as which is enmity against us. Because what that law required, we were weak in the flesh and could not do. By the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. What does Jesus do? He's perfect, spotless, blameless, fulfilled all that law. Didn't do away with it, fulfilled it. And then Ephesians says, Ephesians 2 says that he took the ordinances of, of, of this law and nailed it to his cross. Nail this law literally to his cross which was contrary to us. It was against us. By the works of the law, no flesh be saved, but he nailed the ordinances of the law to his cross, thereby breaking down that middle wall of partition. Thereby of the twain, God and all mankind, making one new man going back to the glory where he was before. That same Jesus, Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that same Jesus whom you crucified, did away with that law, now you're under grace. Took that law and the ordinance of it nailed it to his cross. Break down that middle wall of petition, thereby the twain making one new, new man. Therefore, Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, back to that glory, and Christ, the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How much power? Matthew 28.18. Jesus come out of the tomb and said, All power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. That man has overcome. The devil of the world is on flesh. Fulfill the law and all power in heaven and earth. Not just in earth. In heaven and in earth given to him. The glory of God's own self. John 17, 5. That did not leave the Father powerless. We find... There in 1 Timothy 6.15, that Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate, he's God Almighty. But you have to understand in the days of his flesh, that law was there. And he fulfilling the law as a man, not as a God man, as a man. And he has to be baptized of John and Jordan at age 30 to take on that priesthood as our high priest on our behalf. Then only then can the Holy Ghost start working through him. as our great high priest, our prophet, like unto Moses, our king of kings and lord of lords, 
Who is this king of glory? Jesus Christ. He had to fulfill the law. Why does he pray to the Father? Because he has to fulfill the law. Why does he uh, say that my father's greater than that? Because he's got to fulfill the law. He's working on him as a man. Not as a God man, as a man. Why? Because by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. Therefore, by one man, he has to make himself of no reputation to work as a man. When you understand that, you have the doctrine of Christ. What's that doctrine of Christ? Christ is God. 1 John 2, 20. You have an unction from the Holy One. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you know all things, and you know all truth, no lies of the truth. 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ is the Father of glory. He's the Word. He's the Holy Ghost. Christ is that Spirit. 1 Peter 1, verse 10. He is that Spirit. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? But Christ also took on a body of flesh and blood for the sufferings of Christ. Not Christ Jr., but Christ is Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. Who is a liar? But he that knoweth that Jesus is the Christ. Here's the doctrine of Christ. 2 John 9, that if any man abideth not in this doctrine of Christ, he hath not God. That's the whole foundation of the church, which the devil has literally moved the foundation over to a trinity. But God is removing it back to those that have an ear to hear. To those that have an ear and understand. Well, is the Trinity right? No. Is the Binitarian, Tunis right? No. The Lord said unto my Lord, Matthew 22, 42. The Lord is that Spirit said unto my Lord. That's Jesus in the days of his flesh. That is the Lord. The Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the Tetragrammaton, Jehovah, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Quoting Psalm 110, verse 1, said unto my Lord, capital L, small O-R-D, small case, the man, Adon, the man, the Lord said unto my Lord, said thou my right hand to make them enemies thy footstool. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 22, 42. He said, if David in spirit, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? That's what Jesus asked. Well, the Pharisees, well, he's, he's a son of David. Well, according to the flesh, he is. But they didn't know he's the Father. They didn't understand he's God Almighty. They say he's just a man. So Jesus said, Then how does David in spirit said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou at my right hand till I make that enemy thy footstool. If David in spirit calls him Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, how is he then his son? You have to understand Christ. That Christ is, the Spirit is that man. How is he the man? Because the Spirit made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6. So he could work man as a man, fulfill his own law, and then go back to where he was before. And that first, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. That's that Nephi. A Ruach uh, there, a living soul. Ruach and Nephi. Now, but he said, but the second Adam, that last Adam, that second Adam, Christ, was made a quickening Would you like to chat spirit. A quickening that? spirit. That last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Okay. That quickening spirit. That last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That spirit is what we have, Christ, in you today. The hope of glory.
assuming you have the Holy Ghost. So when you understand that Christ is the Father, then you have the doctrine of Christ. First John 2.22, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is that Father of glory. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. Who is a who is a liar, but he denied that Jesus is the Christ. He has denied both the Father. Why? Because Christ is the Father. And the Son. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. Not another spirit. Not God Jr. Not a second person of the Godhead. One person. Manifest in the flesh. He that acknowledges Son, acknowledges the Son, hath the Father also. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. But what makes it complicated for most denominations and various uh, doctors of dogmas and what they feel in the apologetics is very simply this, that they don't understand that God made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, to work as a man to fulfill his own law, that is his own human, back to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world in, back to himself, and uh, there, uh, back to himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world back into himself. That is your Isaiah 59, 16. God looked for a man, he's amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself. He had to have a man. A man lost it. Only a man could redeem us back. Well, God's spirit, what does he do? Makes himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6, takes upon him the form of a servant. That servant is God, Isaiah 43, 10 through 15, showing you that he is that savior, that he is the redeemer, that he is that servant that he's chosen, that is God, has his own body, his own human, his own flesh and blood. And then glorifies it back to himself. How high? Well, looking for the glory supreme of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2, 13. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Jesus Christ, a blessed and only potentate. That's the omnipotent. That's a capital P. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light. Where is he gone to? Which no man can approach into, nor see, nor can see. Who is that? They said he sat on the right hand of God. No, he sat down in the throne. We're at the right hand of God with 24 seats in heaven. Four and twenty seats in heaven with four and twenty elders upon them. He's prepared a place for us. Look at Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit like you sit to be seated. Sit with me in my throne for a place I prepare for you in my own body of flesh and blood in glorification. Where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame. Where did you go? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, a forever settled state of glory, S-E-T, down with my Father in his throne, all power in heaven and earth given unto Jesus Christ, who is the Father of glory. So you see in John 16, he said it would prove the world, the Holy Ghost is going to come. Who's the Holy Ghost? Well, while Jesus was in the world and fulfilling this law as a man, and he is God, but he's made himself of no reputation to fulfill the law as a man. He's with us in the world. He's one of us. He's our kinsman, redeemer. 
And while he's there, that law is still there, he says to his disciples, I'll pray the Father to give you another comforter. Because he hadn't been glorified yet. He's still a man, a human being, just like you, just like me, because he's, that God has emptied out of glory, made himself with no reputation. So Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and send you another comforter, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. When I go back to God glorified that, that I, I said, I will not leave you comfortless. When I go back and I'm glorified with God's own self, that I am coming back. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. But this law had to be fulfilled. Metal wall of partition broke down. And then of the twain, God and all mankind making one new man. Who's that one new man? He's that quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So when you understand that Jesus sat down with the Father in his throne, he is the Father of glory, always has been, always will be. He's gone back to the glory which he had before. It behooved Christ to suffer, die, rose again, and enter into his glory, his own glory, Christ's own glory. Christ is that spirit who for the sufferings of Christ to redeem us went back to that glory of Christ to the Lord, God Almighty, Acts 2, 36, who's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, but he's made himself of no reputation, but he's still God with us, Emmanuel. But then after his uh, death, burial, resurrection, and ultimate glorification, glorified with God's own self, John 17, 5, now he's in you and me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's made, Acts 2, 36, that same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him that blessed and only one Savior, one Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, God, the Father manifest in flesh, hath made him, that man, both Lord, Lord Jehovah, and God Almighty, and Christ that is now in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you have questions, let us know. Uh, we do have a smart board. Uh, due to the coronavirus, we're not in our building now. Uh, due to our financial status, uh, we have uh, a very nice, large smart board that I use uh, for uh, streaming, podcast, whatever. But we're not able to use it now. We don't have the facility for it. But we will do that uh, for you. And uh, uh, that same thing I use in the... Uh, the college universities and the schools uh, and the academic um, and the high schools, et cetera. Uh, we, we do have one. We'll, it makes it easier instead of using just a, a legal pad to show the law, uh, but it still gets the point over that God made himself of no reputation. Jesus Christ, who is that God? Made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Why? Because we could work only as a man. When you get that doctrine of Christ, you're in that true doctrine. You're in that pure rock. You have that doctrine of Christ. And he, whosoever is born of God, knows that Christ doctrine. It says in 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Father that was manifest in the body of flesh and blood as the Son, one Spirit. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
We have to have that revelation. Well, if you have questions, be sure and let us know. Drop us a line. You can visit, visit us at sailinggodspeople.org or you can visit dennisbeard.org. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we uh, would love to hear from you. you have any questions, uh, be sure and drop us a line or contact us through the websites. Friend, we have our gift offer this month, gift offer 1001, which is eight DVDs in the Jesus only doctrine of Christ, which is essential for sealing going from babies to little children that to overcomers and then final fathers having their father's name written in their foreheads. I think you'll find it a blessing to you. Eight DVDs roll over two hours teaching on each DVD on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you can get this right to me, Dennis Beard, at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code says 75606. That's Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code 75606. Or visit our website, DennisBeard.org, or SealingGodsPeople.org. Request your copy, 8 DVDs. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, mention offer 1001. That's 1001 for your gift of $100 or more, and we'll get it right out to you. Again, that's the revelation of Jesus Christ, eight DVDs, over two hours teaching on each separate DVD of eight DVDs, over 16 hours of teaching. Therefore, normally a gift of 160, you can have it, or gift offer for this month, gift offer 10. 01001 request the revelation of Jesus Christ for your gift of $100 or more right there at Post Office Box 2906 Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, or the website or sealinggodspeople.org. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Until the next time, Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.